You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Lauren Brissy, Big Sis. What's up, Lauren? Nothing much. It, nothing much. It's it been a long been, time. It's been a very long time. It's been a minute. So, first question I have for you, I asked this kind of to your mom too. What's it like seeing me now from when you last saw me? Because you probably saw me when I was six, five years old. I were, it's funny. My, my biggest memory of you, um, I have this video of you and my brother Matt. Um, and you guys were doing like a, a funny skit on like Dr. Phil. And I remember one of you being like pushed across the chair in a rolling that in a was, rolling that chair. Was just it is still on my YouTube. Like I have it on my YouTube yeah. channel. That I have nothing on there except a couple random songs of me singing a cappella forever ago. But yes, yes, that is my just just this goofy kid. Like you've you always have been. You've always had a personality. So what I want to talk to you about is what, what do you do professionally? That is a loaded question. It is a loaded question. <laughs> so um, I'm office manager of Acadia Counseling Awanis, um, which is kind of different because most counseling places, you know, it's it's just a counselor's office. They don't have anything else, but we're trying to kind of hit all facets of wellness. So we have yoga. Um, on top of an adult yoga class, we have a kid's mindfulness class for kids 12 to 17 with ADHD who just need some help focusing and kind of grounding themselves. Um, and a prime I, candidate right here. <laughs> right, right. So, and you never really hear about, um, you know, alternative methods. Sure, I mean, everyone's always saying, you know, Ritalin medication can help and for some kids it does but some kids just kind of need something different where they can be in a group of kids and be like oh they're just like me you know I'm not I'm not weird I'm not strange you know they can kind of have like a support group of sorts and and on top of that you know we have massage therapy which is huge um it's it's nice to be able to come to one place for one thing like my counseling um clients you know they can get a free mass or well a discounted massage or a free yoga class once a month. So we can kind of work on all facets of wellness versus just one thing. So not just curing the emotional um, stress people have, but sometimes what it feels like the spiritual stress or the physical stress. Right, and a lot of mental illnesses are psychosomatic. You know, you, you get depressed, you get body aches, you wake up in the morning and it's raining outside and you don't understand why you're you're feeling so groggy. And like just someone like put a droopy. blanket over your head. Exactly, yeah. or like, like you're looking at the world through like a veil like you know there's there's something that's holding you back um a little while ago i actually i, I did a creative writing piece on comparing depression and anxiety to like this hoodie like you've you've worn it your whole life and it feels so comfortable and despite the fact that it's telling you you can't do this you're not strong enough you're not a good mother you know you you don't do enough even though it's comfortable and you want to stay there if you take it off like there's so much weight in that. Like you don't realize that you're carrying fifty pounds in the pockets of that hoodie. Yeah. Like how much it holds you down. So I, I tear up a little bit because I'm so I'm so inspired by um, single parents and a lot of people that that go through stuff, but no one ever talks about it because it's a taboo. You know, when it comes to mental health, you call someone and you tell your friend that you're depressed. They're like, oh, you're acting so negative. You just need to get out of it. And that's the complete opposite reaction that we need to have. The whole entire, um, basically, reason for trying to even talk to someone that's having uh, 
depression issues or emotional issues, it's, especially with someone that's not dealing with it and doesn't know what that's like, it is hard because I've had friends tell me, like I suffer from a little bit of uh, depression too. Right. I think everybody has a, a certain type of strain on them throughout life. And it's it, telling somebody to get out of it. Um, it might seem like, like a logical thing to you, but it's not to them. Like they feel like they're trapped in a hole and like every like step they try and take or climb, like rope they try and grab to climb out of it just breaks on them and then they fall right back in and it's like you'll have your days where you're you're happy and you know you you feel good about yourself but it's really hard to find what I call like positivity or just natural things in this world that we can take the time to enjoy like for me I feel like someone took the sunglasses off my eyes I started getting in really into podcasting. I fell into a routine for such a long time where I was just so contempt with everything I was like doing, like just going to work, going to school, going to the gym, going work, going to school, going to gym. I lost all contact with friends. I just kind of isolated myself, which I was doing towards the end of my high school years. So it felt like I, would, I stayed in a comfort zone for too long. And then eventually, like, it just, I, I just was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, it's not fun anymore. I'm like, this is not a life to live being on autopilot all the time and not right. enjoying the true aspects of life. And seeing and hearing all my friends, like, either that have been dying or something like that has really impacted, like, either because it's because of drugs or because of car accidents or because of something. It's like... I don't want that to be me. Like I would, I, my dream was always to leave a scratch on the surface of the earth where either someone that I know personally, like very close to me or someone that I've never even heard of before is going to be able to hear it and then get something from it. That's the main reason why I started a podcast. Everyone has an interesting story, whether you think you're interesting or not. It's the same response you gave to me when I asked you to be on my podcast. Right. You're like, why me? <laughs> and I'm like, it's a conversation between me and you. Like, we don't have to worry about the, the recorder that's there. Obviously, it's on the table. It's 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 listening to us. But I'm not out there to impress anybody. I'm out there to hear your interests, your passions, what your like, how you think about the world. Because the way I think is completely different. I completely agree with you. You know, we we walk by so many people every day, and you know, we rarely turn to our elders and talk to them about, you know, what their life experiences have been. And now I, my family is like old royalty of Berlin. My great, great grandfather was the mayor in the 1960s, Hugh T. Cropper. He was best friends with Roland Fish Powell. Um, you know, they named the inlet parking lot after him. And what I like to do is, you know, I'll, I'll go and visit my grandmother who, She's up there. She's close to 80. She's got CUPD, has to have an oxygen tank. Um, and a lot of times when someone close to you is going through something medical, you kind of distance yourself without realizing it. But, you know, what we need to do is you know, they, they don't have friends stopping by on them. You know, they're checking the obituaries every day to see, you know, who else do I know that's not here anymore? You know, and... Yeah, if they call you, you might be stuck on that phone for an hour and a half because that's just how grandparents are and they want to know what you're doing and they want to know what's going on. But, you know, taking 10 minutes to stop by and sit with them and just be like, you know, what's what's your favorite, the best thing that you've ever experienced? What what was the biggest change, you know, throughout your lifetime? Yeah, we grew up with, um, well, I, I'm not, I don't know about you, but my first computer was an MS-DOS. You know, there, there wasn't a graphical user interface. You know, the icon 
icons that you see on an iPhone, the, the buttons that you click on to get to the internet. It was all just words that you typed in and you just had to figure it out. And they, they've experienced that. They went from no television to black and white television to a color television. God forbid I try to talk to her about a Nintendo Switch because the idea of something touchscreen is just alien. <laughs> yeah, the guy who invented the color television that actually popularized it first was actually a Latino person. I did not. But I think it's beautiful that, you know, in technology and, and all the advancements that our society is making, there there is such a ridiculous amount of diversity. You know, I'm constantly reading about, you know, up and coming startups that have such innovative ideas to really bring us together as a community with technology. Like that's that's the biggest part. Creating an app to help this environment that we're destroying. So people can, you know, band together and work on recycling and, you know, try to make sure that our kids are gonna be able to have the same experiences that we have. You're you know? very pro technology, aren't you? I am. I am I am a little <laughs> bit standoffish against it when it comes to certain things. I do believe so, it's beautiful <laughs> First of all, it's beautiful and very destructive, but I think right. it's all in the way that we take it. I believe that humans have the ability where we love, and it's so beautiful and so inspirational to see what we can create and what we can do with our minds. Mm -hmm. This something is this item that we barely understand ourselves. It's much like the ocean where we say we've only discovered part of it. Like right. there's still so Small much percentage. left. <laughs> That's just like our brains. It's just like space. It's always going to be like that. I believe we're never going to unlock our full potential. But the whole aspect of our curiosity and our efforts to kind of want to push the barrier further, it has always been a downfall and it has always been a succeeding factor in our just time period. Mm -hmm. There's reasons why our government and like our certain things prosper in a certain way, even though they use whatever methods they use to get there, whether they're good or bad, right. mostly dark. But it's the whole aspect of like we're constantly looking to expand and in a world like this you have to move forward or you're you're going to get left behind and you right. can't like where I say I want to go off into an Amish lifestyle which I eventually do want to do one day where I'm kind of I, I like the base factor of things that's a giant influence from you by the way I don't know if you <laughs> knew that you got me into the old medieval type games and that right. whole type of history where I kind of was so I guess so like much like a, a sponge as a child where mm -hmm. I was like I was looking for something to pick up an interest and then you showed me like World of Warcraft and Skyrim and or not Skyrim Oblivion and then Obliv like yes. getting in, <laughs> get, getting hardcore into those medieval games and like just that that was my whole life back in the day was video games so constantly learning from them like it it's where I got fascinated in looking up like herbalism and making like potions not actually doing it but like the whole art behind it like that's something in our history you should look into alchemy alchemy yeah because it is amazing there's um there's actually this uh really good series i don't know if you've ever heard of it uh the first book's called a discovery of witches and the main character she's she's a witch but she she like threw away all her heritage she doesn't want anything to do with magic and she's um a professor of alchemy and it's it's an amazing story about how, you know, she was trying to deny who she was and ultimately she found out she was using magic the whole time even though she wasn't meaning to. But it really piqued an interest in alchemy for me. And there are a lot of historical manuscripts that you can find online, a lot of things that you can read that definitely have a correlation to a lot of advances that we've made in science. You know, back in the medieval times, science was magic. You know, it was an explanation for something you you didn't understand otherwise. You know, being being able to. It's funny because just, just a lot. <laughs> science was magic, and then uh, medical was science. Right. 
Because, like, they were just learning back then. Like, I learned about um, Robert, uh, what's his name, Robert Layton. Um, I think I got that last name wrong. But uh, he was the one that, uh, he was known as the fastest knife in the West End. I was telling your mom about this. Uh, Like, he has a 300% mortality rate in a surgery. And you know how that's possible? He killed three people in one surgery. He killed the person he was working on. He amputated their leg because back then... Being the fastest knife was the best thing you could possibly be. Right. So um, his name's Lister, Robert Lister. Okay, so um, Liston, I think, yeah. I, I want to make sure I get that correct because he's, he's very fascinating, and I just learned about him too. So uh, not to go off like I did with your mom about Robert Liston, but <laughs> like he chopped off a woman's leg, and then she died later, and then chopped off in the process his assistant's fingers, and then also he died because they didn't have like, you know, basically if you get something cut off or something cut, you're dead. Right, and, um, yes, that's it. And uh, then he was moving so fast that he sliced a spectator's person's lab coat, and that person had a heart attack and died. So he's the only one with a confirmed 300% mortality rate killing. But he was like the surgeon everyone wanted. And the weird thing about it was is that surgery and like all the medical practices back then were, uh, I mean, it's real history, but that was our entertainment back in the day. Right. All the surgeons' rooms were lined up like theaters. People would stand and watch this because they didn't have movies back then. They didn't have all this technology that we have now. That was their form of entertainment. You know, you get to see the fastest knife in the West End. And... It, it's just ridiculous to think that. And he was the one that actually popularized the research into um, washing your hands and doing all this type of stuff. There were uh, there's another doctor that's um, quoted for implementing that, but he didn't know why he was doing it. He just thought, like, get, get, he didn't want it on him. Right. Well, back in the day, you wore your blood on your lab coat your, mm-hmm. as a sign of, like, achievement. And, you know, barbers before were the original surgeons. They would be like, you need, they had signs that would say haircut, 25 cents, teeth pull, $1, bullet taken out, $5. Like, <laughs> it was stuff like that. And that's what came with the whole, um, the red, uh, white, and, um, like, the, the pole outside uh, the barber the, shop. The, yeah. They would I take bloody rags, about. and they would slap them against the thing, and it would create a red blood stripe along the I, I guess that's where the idea of uh, Sweeney Todd came from. Yeah. Well, <laughs> instead of baking people in pies and stuff. But have you seen that movie on Netflix? Uh, Sweeney Todd? Yeah. yeah. The musical, yeah. I watched I... it 15 minutes in. I'm tired of them singing. It's like <laughs> Les Morales or whatever it's called. Oh, Les don't do that. Les, Les Miserables. You're nuts. I'm, I mean, well, aside from gaming Wolverine and technology, oh my goodness, music has always been such a passion of mine, and I, I love musicals. I mean, I have the whole score to Phantom of the Opera, the Jekyll and Hyde Broadway, uh, Once Upon a Mattress, which is um, a comical musical about the princess and the pea, um, an old school nursery rhyme, kind of. Um, but yeah, I I love I love music and I love musicals, but they're not for everyone. For some some people have difficulty. I I don't know what it is. I know there's okay. So I don't know if you know this, but only ten to twelve percent of people have a physical goosebump reaction to music. I am one of them. My mother is not, and that surprised me. Like I almost didn't believe this statistic until I asked her, and I was like, you know, when you're listening to something and it's really good and like raises the hair on your arms, you can see the goosebumps, like because you feel it. You feel like whatever emotion that artist is trying to portray. I had no idea. Not everyone got to experience it, and honestly, when I found that out, it made me sad. Like it made me sad that other people 
may not be able to we're feel to the extent of what to I the feel. Whole feel of music, yeah. Right. Well, that's what inspires me about like everyone asks me what's your favorite type of music. I don't have a favorite type of music. The reason why is because I look at music in a creative form. I believe that if it's it's someone inspiring with their mind or creativity, whether it's a either even a parody of a song or an original. When it comes to an original, that's someone that created something out of their mind right. and put it into a form that is in base with their feelings and emotions. When I hear a song, no matter if it's hardcore, you know, there's obviously certain genres I'm going to like a lot better, but there, I, I, none of it's bad to me. When I hear a musical, I can handle it and I will listen to it. I'm not gonna force, I'm not, it's not like I'm forcing myself, it's just the whole fact of, I don't find that entertainment to be very, um, like if there was a comedy special on Netflix, I'd probably rather watch that. Right. But the whole aspect of someone creating something with their mind and then having the ability to even put it into a form is just beautiful in my mind. And that's when I really started feeling like I was opened up into the world. Like I want to visit an um, opera. I want to visit a symphony. I want to see this stuff because I, I'm in a music appreciation class right now. And we watched a symphony on um, YouTube in the middle of class and I'm, he's like everyone's like uh, gets the question you know what did you what did you see in the video what 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 was the violinist doing and then like everyone was like well he was playing this certain and then named the type of musical form and then I gave the dumb response I'm just like did you see the guy that was playing the trumpet he was going so hard like he looked like he was gonna pass out and I was like it was fun to watch and like what and I'm like and let me tell you about the violinist she was so hot I couldn't keep my eyes off but she was way too hot to be a violinist and I, I, I said this to your mom I said they have like you know how people look like their dogs there's a certain type of people that fit their instruments it seems like their instrument and she always she chalked it up to when you have um like when a baby's born um and they're, they're given a name their face changes to the way their name like i wouldn't be able to be named kevin she was saying i was like that doesn't make sense well after someone changes their name later and then their face is just like frozen or stuck but it's like it, she's right like it was weird watching like the violinists were mostly girls and then there was a couple guys that had feminine characteristics or they were really older and really skinny Right. And it was like they, they, they all fit the instruments. And then I, I just cracked the joke in class like I usually do. And I'm like, where's the guy playing the triangle? That's my real homie. As like a joke. <laughs> Next thing you know, like a minute in, a dude's playing the triangle. I'm like, there he is. There he is. <laughs> like he's going hard. And they gave him a solo too. Like a little right. ding, 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 ding. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and everyone's all quiet. And I'm like, this is something I would love to go enjoy. And then I started getting into, like, when I go to thrift stores, I, I started doing that a couple of years ago. And, like, because stuff's cheap. Right. Yeah, like, they had the, the little, what are they, Mexican blankets. Nobody knows where they get them from, but they just have them in their house. I have one in my car. I'm like, I, I don't understand. I have one. It came from the boardwalk in Ocean City I, when I was, like, a teenager. I don't know how. I still have it. I was at, I was at your <laughs> house the other day, Um, your, you know, your old house. And, uh... She had one right on the couch, your mom did. And mm -hmm. I was like, where do you guys get these? Because no one <laughs> Where knows. do they come from? And me and my buddy looked them up, and it's like $10 on Amazon. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure they just magically appear. Like, right. I have I have no clue, but it's like those those simple things. I look at a fabric like that, see the stitching. You got to think about the time, whether it was a bunch of people working in a sweatshop somewhere, or whether it was some person that sat down and took the time to you know the stories it tells. Are you aware that I crochet? <laughs> the only reason I say that is because like I make these really big like 
The one I made for my son was probably almost a queen size. I also made one for my grandmother that I gave her. And it's literally, you have one hook. It's not knitting. So you only have one. And it just takes an extraordinary... Well, near At the end of my son's, it probably took me a day to do, like, one side. Like, it takes so, so long. I, I wish... Uh, I'll have to try to find pictures so I What's can show you. What's crocheting exactly? So, that that is... And then I've never had to explain it without showing... Um, so you have a metal hook, it's like a, a long, the long handle of the metal, and then a tiny hook on the end, just um, round enough to grab one piece of string, basically. Um, and then oh, there's you do, like, like knit one, knit two, but it's like overlapping. I think I've seen videos of it before. Well, they're the stitches for crochet. Um, your basic stitch is called a chain stitch, where you'll start, you'll do like a slip knot to attach your string to your yarn. Um, you'll wrap your weed yarn, which is the long string that you have coming out of your ball. You'll wrap it around the hook once, bring it down through the hoop you already have on your hook, and that's one chain stitch. And then you have stitches that you build on top of that. Some are really tall, some are really short. You have like puff stitches that are like fancy. They're shell stitches that look like a seashell. Um, and I use, for my sons, I use this really soft, I call it baby yarn. Um, it's ridiculously soft and literally like that is his security blanket like if he's tired He will go get his blanket and drag it through the house and climb up with you Like I don't know if he would ever slept through the night if I had not made him that blanket. I don't that, see, see like when you say crochet my initial thought was the thing where you see the fancy people hitting that ball with under the little silver metal gate thing. croquet Cro okay, uh -huh. so I was close. <laughs> it's a sport. It's a sport, yeah. <laughs> it's for rich people. At least I used to play that in my backyard growing up with Matt and Sarah. Yeah. Cro we had a croquet, croquet set. I was close. Mm -hmm. Crochet and then croquet. Mm -hmm. Croquet has a Q. Crochet is a CH. Well, you know, pay me for my spell. <laughs> it's, I, now you just got the fancy talking. The fancy, right? Who would have thought I would have found something with my mouth to do? Like, I became so introvert for... That sounded so wrong. Oh, my goodness. But, no. Like, just being able, like, to have the ability to talk and then find, like, a passion with talking. I right. did not find... Didn't even see that at the time. And now you think about how much I talk and, like... I just became so introvert for a while or it was difficult to... I felt like just there's no not really a point in speaking. And then what I used to do at thrift stores, I used to buy um, dictionaries and just read them. Like a word a day. And I have, I have word of the day toilet paper, but I found like I was going through a thousand words a day. <laughs> so, yeah. And, um, but like, it, it's like what my English teacher um, in seventh grade did to me as a punishment, but it was to help me learn. I see in the process in recess, she would make me stay inside and she would um, put a dictionary in front of me and write down the words from this side onto there and do like 10 words and the definitions and then we'll do that and then you can go outside and play when you get done right. and then my dad at night like when I was having trouble with grammar and like doing the little spelling you know you're writing out and trying to put the word into a sentence of your own he would grab a dictionary grab a bunch of pieces of paper sit it down say write the definition and keep going and going like write your vocabulary words out your and do teacher it that might way. have gotten it from your dad then <laughs> and it was oh, yeah my dad had the secrets <laughs> And, but it was like, after a while, I was like, I started getting fascinated with using, trying to use more difficult vocabulary in my speaking. Right. Like, instead of using the basic necessities, like, it feels like now we're, we, we try and save so much time in this world, we cut down our words. It's true. And it's like, we need to not try and speed up 
things, even though we might have stuff we have to get to, obviously, but take the time to slow down. And with someone with ADHD like me, that's a big revelation because you're constantly moving at what seems like to be a thousand miles an hour. Like my mind is, while I'm talking to you and having a very like intimate conversation, like where I'm in the present moment, my mind's still rambling about 50 other things I'm going to be doing outside of here. And I feel like with a lot of people, it's like that whether you have ADHD or not, but it just feels like I'm on a treadmill moving 500 times faster when I, I have the ADHD. And it's really hard to take the time to focus and have the concentration. Um, like I've interviewed a spiritualist and she was telling me like she believes in spirit animals and hers is the wolf. She's a mother and it's like a guiding stuff. I believe mine's the sloth because right. I would like to slow down. And then when I try and find the second to kind of and then take a little deep breath and just enjoy life. Let the air fill up your lungs. You know, one of my favorite poems by Robert Hayden Frost, I always talk about it, those winter Sundays. Like, that's a beautiful poem. It makes me, like, flash back to a time period of nice and cold. Like, I've always been jealous of you for your fascination with books and being able to sit down and read. I can't. I'm very good at reading. I have a very, very high reading level. And I've always been able to understand like words and right. stuff, but I find it very tasking for me to sit down and be, get my mind to focus with just the amount of energy I have. And so when I talk to people, it's like, you're my form of book. You're the story of Lauren Brissy, and I would like to hear it. And everyone's got a story to tell. It's a main reason why I had this idea of going to a retirement home and then getting permission, obviously, to interview some of these people because they're living textbooks. Right. They have been around in a history I have not experienced. Even though it's in my history, it's something I was not around the time to consume and take in full grasp of. Like my grandfather being raised in the Great Depression, mm -hmm. he taught me how to eat chicken where you basically, if you eat the bone, it's just protein. Like... It's, you know, a fascination. And then just thinking about that and the way he said that, I was like, wow, like, well, I wonder how many people actually eat bones of animals. It's a giant thing in culture. They use stuff to cook with in China and mm -hmm. like Taiwan and everything that they cook with bones and make we use bone broth. Well, yeah, even in the U.S., um, I mean, I went to culinary school for a little while because I've done a little bit of everything. And, I mean, you use the bones of animals to make stock. Like, that's what stock is. You, you, you boil the bones and you use the flavor from that with different herbs to kind of bring out whatever flavors you're looking for depending on what you're making. My told me, because um, I'm addicted to gelatin, he said, dude, you're eating animal bones. I can't have that. I'm yeah. like, what? He goes, gelatin's made with animal bones. So is glue. Collagen. I'm like... Oh my God. I'm like, I'm not going to stop. I guess I'm not going vegan because I told him I'm going to try going vegan. It's what you always say when yeah. someone goes, I'm vegan. I was talking to him. It's got to be so tasking to even go to a restaurant and try and eat. He's like, oh yeah, I don't really eat out unless it's a certified vegan place. But if we go to like Applebee's, I just don't even really bother eating like a, even a salad because sometimes it's cooked next to something and then it's like, dang, it's like you're so restricted. But I wonder if they stop using glue. Because animal bones? Uh-huh. Um, I, I Aren't think it's, that making horses, I think too? Horses, horse hooves, I think, is what glue is made out of. I'm pretty sure. Well, we're still using, like, pig intestines <laughs> for hot dogs, so. Right, yeah. Let's not even get on the topic of Scrapple. Huh? Do you like Scrapple? I am addicted. I it's, like, it. my favorite breakfast food. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, I, don't I, like moved it. To, I moved to Florida, and I... I met some friends and I, we were talking about like our favorite foods and I was like Scrapple's my favorite and they're like Scrapple? 
the board game? And I'm like, yes, yes, because I eat words for breakfast. That's, that's exactly what I meant. You hit it on the you, nail. You get it, 11-word meal. <laughs> Probably full all day. Right, right. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, you know, we don't realize that certain things that we eat, certain activities that we we do are part of a culture based on where, where we grow up, you know, kind of, kind of back to the whole nature versus nurture thing. You know, there are people that will grow up on the Eastern shore and I can tell you what a dog food factory smells like. Someone in Florida might not have that capability. Some people or... <laughs> have never heard of Old Bay. And if you're from around oh here, God. you know what that is because it's literally put on everything. Do you know there's an Old Bay fish sandwich now? <laughs> there's Old because Bay Because it's chips. amazing. Well, they've always been good. All right. I love crab chips. I love crab chips. They're, they're, they're pretty good. They have awesome. biscuits and gravy now too. And chips? Yeah. Lace. Lace has a magnitude of flavors. I think my favorite potato chip I think I've ever had was like a couple of years ago. It was probably the last time I actually consumed one. But it was like um, sour dill pickle. And I only you ate and it Matthew. because... I He he's, loves those too. He's, he is the pickle champion. He he. You can give, I know, give him I a am. jar he, of dill pickles for his birthday and he'll be completely content. Like that yeah. and peppers, hot peppers. Yeah, me and he, him used oh to my. murder those things. Mm. I remember he we, when you guys used to breed kittens, like when I first started hanging out with Matt, um, we put them all in a circle and then put them like piled up pillows around in like a ring. And we sat there in the middle eating uh, chocolate chip cookie dough out of the jar, like out of the fridge. <laughs> and we just sat there playing with the kittens for oh the longest God. amount of time. And, and for like, the record, we did not breed kittens. We just had cats. We just had a lot of cats. It seemed like that cat was always having babies. Spunky. Spunky was the one. Yeah, she uh, she she was crazy. She, she never growled until she was pregnant. And she would like sit on the back of the couch. And if you came too close, she would just that's start the growling. It's the, the weirdest nurture. sound that's in the, the world. You're like, what is that noise coming from a cat like yeah. it sounded like just this feral i don't know it was terrifying or we used to have cats that we we had two cats um one of ours i don't know if it was if it was a brother and sister or one of our cats and a stray cat but they would go under our house and start fighting and we would just have to like stomp on the floor because i couldn't fit under there to like drag them out and you don't want to go under a house that's that old it's do you know you know the myth scary. that cats purr because they're happy that's not true because they purr for a magnitude of reasons and no one knows why. They purr from their mother when they're um, getting milk from her and right. it's to let her know that they're done or something like that. And it's like, it's just recognition for the mom. And then there's multiple, like, they just do it whenever. It's just whenever they really feel like it, much like whenever we breathe. We do it out of necessity, but, you know, we don't have, like, a set time. Like, I need to breathe now. <laughs> it's like you breathe just naturally. You just, just do you it. You just totally forget about it. But, like, dogs and all that have, like, certain things that they do. Like, barking obviously means something. They need to go out or they need to do something. They don't just do it to do it. Right. Like, cats, it's the only, it's the weirdest thing in the world. And I got that out of a book from a thrift store. That and American conspiracies. Conspiracies are interesting. Um, They're I've, real. They are. I've ever since getting into computers, I've done a lot of reading into um, the anonymous hacktivist group. Um, I'm sure you've heard of anonymous. Yeah. So I mean, they've they've done a lot with taking down like ISIS Twitter accounts and Facebooks and social media stuff, and and they they've done a lot more than that. And I'm I'm not going to say that I'm an expert on them because I'm not. Um, but I've, I've looked a lot into different conspiracies involving technology, um, you know, different, different governments. I, I do a lot of reading. You know the conspiracy <laughs> vault seven? I do not. Uh, I have a document about it I can send you, but, um, 
it, I do it. So I do a spinoff. Let's just say this of my podcast. This one's called Out of the Blank, which is just a conversation between me and you. I guess you can probably understand why the title is called Out of the Blank. Um, we're pulling stuff out of nothing, so we're just talking. Fill in the blank is more narrowed down on specific topics. So, like, if you gave me one of your interests, like crochet or something, I would go and search up facts about crochet, everything. So when I get the podcast, I found that if you educate yourself and also the person um, who's listening, like if you're doing a podcast, they find themselves more interested or more educated about the idea, which might change their view on it. Right. Um, I did the same thing. I always kind of mention him on the podcast. His name's General Butt Naked, and where you where you say like we're influenced by our environment. Um, he was a guy that used to fight bear naked. He was an African uh, warlord in uh, Liberia. He would eat children and do all this stuff like consume their hearts, and then he would kill like teenagers and do all this stuff. But he fought naked, and he believed that he was. Um, like, he was invincible when he was fighting naked, and you would think you want the most layers on you when you're running into battle and stuff. But right. his whole influence was from his environment. Like, he would go in the water and watch the kids come to get water and play in the water, and he would grab them and drag them underwater and kill them that way. Now, where you say, holy crap, you're giving me a lot of information right now. Well, what's, what do alligators do to deer down there or antelopes down there? They grab them right. and bring them underwater. And where we see that as just animals, that's what their whole culture was. It's really hard when we understand the concept of morality and, like, what's moral, what's the process of right or wrong. That's all divided by us. That's all where we're from, the way we've kind of been influenced in our society to believe what's right or wrong. Obviously, Christian, you want to be good and do all this stuff to please God and everything. But the whole idea of religion is we're always looking for something that has more power than us. Right. Because it feels like some we need that block. We need that to know that there's something out there that can easily, is more powerful than we are. And we need that. It's, it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's much like where we wish we were superheroes, where we are more. We just create this deity or this form. It's where conspiracies or legends like folklore come from. Mm -hmm. And that inspires me too because the amount of creativity, like, you know, when you see a monster movie or something, that's not, your brain cannot create a, a monster. It cannot do that. What it does is it takes face images and it takes other things from things you've seen that your brain has come across, whether it's like you know it or not, like whether you're just walking by somebody, like you can't create a new face right. in your dream. That's just a bunch of different details taken from multiple people that you've seen, whether you remember them or not. And your brain has all that stored back there. It's like a vault. Well, to get back on the concept of Vault 7, where you talk about conspiracies. Conspiracies are stuff, I believe, that the government has done, like cover-up type deals, but mm -hmm. they don't get released until after the person's dead. Right. So, like, 20 years later, you know, you get you the find information out. out. Yeah, like, oh, this was going on, like, in much with the M MK Ultra and stuff like that. Like, I don't know if you know that whole program. Nope. Your mom knows a lot about it, I guess, because it, it kind of happened around her time. Um, but the whole aspect of, like, we were doing stuff with schizophrenia therapy. We were treating people by, you know, sleep deprivation and all this type of stuff. And, like, um, psychic driving, which is, like, putting in headphones on someone's ears and repeatedly looping a message. There was a person, and they would use that to, like, erase somebody's mind, too. If you play a certain thing, it'll erase their memory a certain right. amount of time so they don't remember their experiment they were in. There's people that have come out that have family members that had to relearn how to be potty trained because it erased too much information. And this is all like Canadian government and stuff like this dealing with the CIA here. The CIA has done a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. But like, you know Project Jedi? 
You ever heard the movie Men Who Stare at Goats? Oh, yes, I do know about it. That's yes. a real thing, too. That yeah. was a giant thing. And you're hearing I all this. I researched that for a little while. You're hearing all this, and you're like, there's no way. This is from a movie. It's like, yes, it, but at the same time, like, it's stuff that we've done. We've done a lot of crazy things that, you know, in the name of science or in the name of chalk it up to war, like right. just an act of war. It's humans' power to go after something where I say creativity is beautiful and destructive. Now, where you talk about Anonymous, this group that does things that are right in some ways and wrong in some ways, depending on our moral view, right? it goes down to Vault 7. Vault 7 is the CIA's ability to have, they had um, 24 different programs, and each one was stuff to hack your information. It's where everyone believed that your webcams were spying on you. Right. Well, the government um, had all their private information released from a contractor that worked for the CIA, and it all led up to um, WikiLeaks posting every seven days or so these things called Vault 7. And they were all secret projects, all 1 through 24 that were released at different dates. And um, like there were stuff like Google Chrome tracking you and stuff the CIA was using to track your information, being able to monitor you. They had a thing called like, it was like the Kangaroo or Skyleap or something like that where your computer could jump using a wireless network. It basically mm -hmm. hacks the kernel system, which is like the mainframe and all that that can control off everything else. Mm -hmm. They had so much secret stuff that you see like in Mission Impossible. And you're like, this is our government. Like they're monitoring us. And like we always talk about like, oh, they might be tapping your phones. That's a real thing. Right. This is where I say technology is scary because this is not a conspiracy where people say that's not real. It is real, but we're just finding out about it now. We don't know the whole facts on the JFK assassination, even though in 2017, the 200 last documents were released to us, to President Trump, and he kept 50 of them a secret. Why can't I see those 50? Right. It's like, are they protecting us? Do you see that? Or do you see them as them hiding information that might be valuable to us? Because I see it as, I can see it in both lights. And, and a lot, there's a lot of kind of, with the whole censorship thing, you know, there's, I, I honestly believe that there are some things that it's, it's not best for everyone to see. I mean, back, back in the first world war or the first war where we had black and white television, like if you turned on the news, you, you didn't see news announcers talking about the war. You saw graphic images of dead bodies and the result of war. And those are things that, that children were sitting and watching with their families. Um, yes, we probably, you know, became desensitized because we were exposed to things like that. And the same can be said now we over shelter our children and, and we worry that, you know, them playing a violent video game is going to create horrible things. But previous generations were seeing the results of war on their television, sitting at home in the living room with their family. You know, and we, it's, it's hard because I'm always going to believe that there are certain things that maybe not everyone should know. Because if you do release all the information that you have, how are we going to have any tactics against other countries? Like my, my father is Army National Guard. He's been in the Army since I was 12 years old. Um, hopefully he's retiring soon because he's been in a, a darn long time. He's you said a, your he, dad? Yeah. I thought he was a truck driver. Mm -mm. No, he did. Um, he was only with uh, CRST for a little while. He went to trucking school, but he didn't want to be all over the country. And he's always worked for Value Carpet in Salisbury. 
Um, he does bids on like really big commercial jobs, like at the Civic Center and the colleges and stuff like that. Um, but they're they're about to be deployed again. Um, they're heading to Kuwait. Um, I like I can't know where they're actually going to be going because yeah. that would be a liability. He can't tell me over the phone. You know, um, there are some things that need to be kept secret for the safety of our nation. You know, yeah, for, you for the safety of our families. Or something they, they have to give you a debriefing and everything. Right. Make yeah. Sure you're I not mean, expose any intelligence. This is what you can't say. This is what you can't say. Right. And I mean. I, I feel like that's kind of important, but at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, should should be public knowledge. You know, I'm I, I just found out um, in, in terms of technology being scary. Uh, so I'm researching penetration testing because ultimately that's what I want to do with my degree. I want to be an ethical hacker. I plan on getting an ethical hacking Ooh. certificate. So it would be awesome when someone asks, hey, what do you do? I'm an ethical hacker. Yeah. Like, that just sounds beast. That goes into my question. <laughs> I was going to ask you about what's your passion, and that's good to know that that's it's, what you're going for. And that's that's my professional passion. I, you know, I've always had to compartmentalize what I'm passionate about and what I'm enthusiastic about. Um, I, I tend not to talk about my passions too much because a lot of people I talk to are, are jealous that, you know, I'm adept at many different things, but I'm honestly, when I talk about like what I love, it's, it's from a humble perspective. Like I'm, I feel so blessed to be a great, I'm a great baker. Like you should try my brownies. I, I know you're I've on a I've had your kit. brownies before. You haven't had my new yeah. brownies. Okay. I had, the one, <laughs> I remember one of my fondest memories of you was when you were um, baking a cake. This is around the time you were dating Andy mm -hmm. and you were having like a special dinner date or something. And I remember Justin took something of yours that was chocolate and he started running up the stairs and oh you put him in a rear naked choke <laughs> on the steps and you said, boy, give me my, like, give me my, uh, whatever ice cream it was, chocolate. I something. think it was like a, a chocolate covered ice cream bar. I was like, you oh never take God. chocolate from oh, a woman. woman. I'll never forget that. I've never, ever, <laughs> me and Matt, I don't think have ever laughed so hard in my entire life. And I was talking to your mom about this when I was just walking up the steps to your house. Like, <laughs> it is nostalgia lane. Mm -hmm. I remember from when I first met you, like sitting on the curb when me and Matt were skating, just like, just waiting outside. Like you had like the beanie on and you had like this, like a gothic chick kind of vibe to you. And then right. knowing you from like cutting your hair all the different times and like all this stuff like you know I grew up with you guys like you guys had literally seen me bare ass naked I mean I was a little I, I was over like I think I lived there for, I, I was talking to your mom about it. I've lived there like basically the whole summer one time to the mm -hmm. point where your dad bought me a toothbrush was like all right I didn't teach you how our shower works right and like it was just like, because when you're at that age, it's like you just, you know, your dad comes by or mom comes by, drops you off clothes and drops you off $20. And next thing you know, you're getting hot fries and all this <laughs> other stuff down at the downtown movie town rental or whatever. And it's like... Oh, downtown video. Yeah. They had ketchup chips. They can't find those anywhere anymore. Ketchup chips? Yes. It's like potato chips, but with like a ketchup powder. Like to the to this day, like I will get regular potato chips and dip them in ketchup. But Are you I can't. a nasty I, person I, that puts ketchup on their eggs? No, I don't do ketchup. My and dad eggs. does that. When it's I was a little, thing. when I was little, I put ketchup in mac and cheese, and I would only eat broccoli if I had cheese and ketchup. Um, I'm more of like a barbecue sauce fanatic. Like I put it put on my tenderloin before I put it in the oven. I put it on hot dogs. I put it on burgers. I put it on uh, a barbecue chicken quesadillas. Barbecue anything is is good in my book. As long as you don't put ranch on your pizza, you're okay. 
You put ranch on your pizza. Um, Matt does that. If I get like no, I don't. Sick. I don't put it like in my pizza, but I'll like dip my pizza in ranch, like a chicken bacon ranch pizza. Oh come on! You need to expand your horizons. Have you ever had a good like Mongolian beef? I had Haitian food from an authentic Haitian woman that owned her own restaurant. Did you have oxtail? I had goat's uh, goat's neck. Okay. I've, I've never had goat's amazing, neck, but I've, I've had really good oxtail. She didn't speak. She doesn't speak very good English. She works at the hotel that I work at, and she didn't speak very good English. She didn't tell me there was a bone in all the goat's neck. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I bit into I'm that so sucker, sorry. and I was like, and I felt like my teeth, like, I felt like I just bit into a jawbreaker. I was like, okay, well, I almost just died, but it's so delicious. It's like, I'm glad I could expand my horizons. She always tells me every Saturday if I'm working Sunday, because that's our busy day. Right. She goes, I cook for you. I cook for your whole family. I'm like, don't feed my family. Feed me. <laughs> like, she cooks rice and stuff. I don't normally eat that stuff, but she does, like, a black bean sauce, and it's like, I'm fascinated by stuff that... Um, like at someone's interested in, or you say you're interested in croquet and baking and stuff. You're that skill on like Mario, where it's like, where like, or like basketball or something. It says all around. You're all. You're not just balance. You're not just you know power. You're not just speed. You're everything. You're right. all wrapped into one. And that's like the best thing you can be really in life. If you can really take the time, like my grandmama, she has does always has done this. Takes a potato chip. Eats one at a time. I can't do that. As much as I want to slow down that much. Just shove them, just, shove them in yeah, there. Yeah, it's like, you know, it, it's it's like I see it as a, a thing I have to do to get like done, the process. And then once I'm done, I can go experience what I want to experience. But taking the time to really enjoy like the sway of trees or the sound of paper crinkling is very difficult to do in our everyday history. Where you talk about society is like constantly on autopilot and stuff like that. Like... We're all wearing disguises, you know, we're all disguising who we truly are, and I believe that that's the one thing you have to be. I try my best to be very, very polite when I go to stores now. I try and I tell people to have a good day, because you don't know if that can change their life. You don't know if that right. can change things. I see so many kids now, like, I went on, it was Christmas Eve, I went to a, a Christmas Eve party, and... There was a bunch of adults that I found myself more connected to playing ping pong, playing actual like game of like while they were drinking, like having fun. And then a bunch of kids, like 12, my little cousin's age, all playing Fortnite on the couch, addicted to this television. And then I remember the one thing that this guy did there that my dad used to do to me, walk in front of the television, am I in the way, 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 like joking like that, like... It's it's funny to see that now because now I see where I was a kid so like my mind was so occupied with these television's gonna rot your brain like right. it's true and it's like if I, I'm jealous of the kids that you know obviously it's hard but working on farms and stuff that get to actually experience that but they're 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 doing like not just doing work but they're they're outside and enjoying the moments that aren't going to be here forever not every day is the same there's always slight differences not every moment in your life every day where it might feel like it's the same exact as the day before that just constantly the days just keep adding up you're missing the important aspects of life there's something important event that might have happened there's something that you're just missing especially when you're looking down on your phone all day you got to take a time to disconnect you got to take a time. I mean, technology is amazing. It helps us have literally information at our fingertips. I can look up anything. You know, if there's a problem, my car breaks down. I can look up something to figure out how to fix it. Mm -hmm. You know, I can look up certain deals, certain sales, certain whatever. You know, whatever I'm interested in is there at my fingertips. That is an infinitely amazing resource. But the whole aspect is sometimes we do need to unplug. You got to know. 
it's much like you can take anything where stuff gets addicting, like food. You can take anything over the edge. You can, if you do something too much or do it unhealthily, it, it can kill you. It literally can. Drinking too much water can kill you. Drinking, you know, anything can, any, anything you do can kill you if you do too much of it. You have to learn to do things in a respectable and meaningful manner. And it's really hard, like, at my age, like, 21, you know, I don't drink or anything. Right. But it's, like, the whole aspect of being able to conceptualize that in my mind and being able to understand what that means and fully actually try and implement it is very difficult for anybody. But knowing this at my age, I feel like I've been hit with the gifted wisdom stick. Like, it, right. you know, like, a shaman came up to me and slapped me on the back of the head, like... Well, you know, there's a medical part behind it. Until you reach about 21, 22 years old, the part of your brain that connects an action with a consequence isn't fully developed. It doesn't develop until you're 25. It doesn't. So, there you go. You know the number better than I do. I told and... you, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm, I'm a little <laughs> bit intellectual when it comes to things. You are, and it's interesting because, you know, we... I, I feel like, especially now being a parent, my son is two... Um, he is incredible. He's, I don't even know. He's all over the place. I mean, I let, uh, my mom's boyfriend asked, um, he, he's thought, you know, if he's autistic, if he has ADHD, because he will literally, will take him to a park and he'll just spend probably 10 minutes just running from one thing to another, not touching anything, not climbing anything, not going down slides, but there's just so much information. And we forget that their brain is literally a sponge. That's what upsets me is when um, people are so, like, willing to look at the bad things about something when a child's just... How do you... Like, the way we um, people, like, try and diagnose their kids and you're like, right. the kid's six years old and he's taking ADHD medication. How do you and know he has that or he's not just being a child? It's not okay. And I'll, I'll tell you, I had um, this past year was the hardest year of my life. Um, I will I will tell you a little bit about it before we wrap things up. I know I think we've been an hour so far. Um, so this past year, um, my son's two now. When he was 18 months old, I believe, no, 14, 14 months. It was February, February 28th. Last year, he started walking. That's the day he started walking. That same day, him and his father and I, we split. He's His father's been in Florida since February. Hasn't seen him in person since February a year ago. Um, so that that was really the the biggest part about me kind of kind of losing my identity and having to figure out who I am again because I feel like a lot of times in a relationship you lose a part of yourself and you don't realize that you know you fall into this routine of what you need to do to make your partner happy and you, you kind so of much forget time about in there and then you feel like you have to reset it's the same thing you can exactly. conceptualize with teachers that teach students right that whole band of kids goes on next year after they just learn everything I teach a whole new group and get connected with a whole new group of people. Yeah, and you kind of, um, I, I was in that relationship for three years, so during that course of time, you kind of forget who you are, and so after after all that happened, and I was recovering, um, my son had, uh, in the course of 30 days, we were in the ICU twice. Um, he had complete respiratory failure, he had retraction where when he would breathe in, you could see his belly button like pulling back to his spine. Like he could not get air into his lungs. And anyone under the age of two, typically asthma is not a word that the doctor is going to say. They'll say, oh, it's an upper respiratory infection. It's a lower respiratory infection. But we, we were there twice. Like the second time he was intubated, he was completely unconscious for at least 24 hours. They had to put him out to get him on the helicopter. Um, and the scariest word in today's opiate world, he was on fentanyl. That's what they kept giving him to keep putting him out. And all I was thinking was, like, isn't that what I hear about in the news? Isn't that what people are dying of? Like, well, what could happen? Heroin. 
And my second time, um, we were at AGH, and I, I don't think I would ever take him there again, but they didn't have pediatric equipment. They didn't have pediatric intubation tubes. They had, I guess they were meant for teenagers or full-grown adults. So, I mean, they had trouble getting his air tube in. They called a chaplain, which is who they call when they don't know what's going to happen. You know, his stats were crashing, and this really nice guy sat next to me for like three hours just in case I needed him or needed, you know, a, a religious individual to assist me with what was going on and it was hard it was scary um you know in that time we get up there a day later i get a call hey you have gallstones you got to get your gallbladder taken out the day before we left my boyfriend got jumped at a gas station and before we actually came home um, we were staying at the ronald mcdonald house and it was just like one thing one thing after another um and I'm I'm in school now um, for computer network security at Wilmington University. It's completely online, which completely fits with my life of being a mother. And I I came upon this gem of a book. You know, this class it's called First Year Experience. It's like freshman seminar. As soon as I saw the title, I was like, this is going to be ridiculous. They want me to learn how to research and write papers. I can do this. I know this. So already I was like not looking forward to this class. Um, they assigned this textbook called The Last Lecture by Randy Posh. And this book is absolutely incredible. Like, I've teared up so much while reading it. It's about this professor who gets invited to give a last lecture, which is usually the last lecture you'll get before you retire and get your tenure or whatever it is for, from your university. But he was recently diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And he has three kids. He has a wife. Um, the youngest kid, I think, is like one or two. And to him, he really, you know, took a look at everything in his life and wanted to figure out what to write his lecture about. And he said, you know what, I know exactly what it is. I'm going to write it about childhood dreams and how important our dreams as a child are in helping us achieve everything that we want to through life. Sure, you might never be an astronaut. You know, you might never get a chance to work for Disney if that was your dream or to, to work on a cruise ship or whatever, whatever it is you want to do. But the journey that you have through life and attempting to get as close to those dreams as possible give you your greatest lifetime achievements. You know, I'm I may not actually use my computer and network degree. You know, I might end up working. I'm already working for my mother here, but. I might also manage her bed and breakfast. And, and by then, you know, I might be so comfortable and happy with where I am that I might not want to pursue something outside of it. But, you know, I'm still going to go for my goals because there's no reason not to. You know, there's we have to have something that we're working towards. I want my son to be able to see what I've done with my life. And I have done a lot already. I'm almost 30. But um, I want him to be able to see that I pursued my music um, my music passion by street performing in California and Florida and Ocean City on the boardwalk. I've done that there. You know, I've started writing a novel. I'm using my, What's you know, uh, it doesn't have a name. <laughs> it has a couple of chapters. Um, it's about uh, this girl in like medieval times who keeps having visions of a man. Got and they're like crossed. Yeah, they're like, they're, they're crossed our lovers. They've, um, they've, run into each other in every life but their connection has never been as strong as it is in the current life that they're living they can hear each other's thoughts like when she when she touches him she sees like his thoughts run across his skin like it's there's a lot of magic and and a lot of literature which i'm very excited about she's a book enthusiast um my main character's name is rosalind which has always been one of my favorite names 
And uh, I don't think he has a name yet. I'm still working on it. So like but... a Romeo and Juliet of a transcendent time, kind of. Definitely. I'm, I'm going to find ways to incorporate um, pagan religions as well as Christianity. I read it when it's finished. De definitely. You, you can be my, my first rough draft reader. Um, I think it's really important to incorporate different religions because we, we don't realize that um, aside from, you know, if we weren't to have a government, we would go into anarchy. The same goes for religion and religious ideologies. You know, you understand there's a facet <clears throat> of more one than more than one religion. Oh, we like to think of the big Christianity and then like the minor ones as being minor. It's like they're not minor, they're right. just as important as the other one in someone else's eyes. Well, and if you think about it, there are multiple religions that say if you don't believe their religion, then you're going to hell. If that's yeah. true, then none of our religions are valid. So the opposite has to be true. You know, We all believe in some kind of deity. I'm, I'm not going to say what it is because I don't know. I have two um, religions, but actually. See, um, there you I'm go. religious in Pastafarianism, where we worship the giant spaghetti monster. Okay. And then I'm also, I did a podcast on that. I, it, it, it highlights the whole factor of uh, teaching. It was made on the fact that teaching education, like religious educa with education, is ridiculous. And we shouldn't just be, we shouldn't incorporate that into educational systems. Right. We should focus on um, history and stuff like that, rather than trying to, perceived towards a more specific religion highlights the ridiculous factor in it which i believe is a good thing right and um the whole aspect i also follow dudyism because my favorite movie is the big lebowski okay and the dude spot inspired a whole cultist religion so they also I... have a, a religion that follows a giant pink unicorn they sound really interesting. My, um, I'm probably more a combination of paganism specifically wicca and Christianity. Um, I was raised Presbyterian. You know, my, my family's always been, you know, we, we went to church on holidays. We did Sunday school. I was confirmed at the age of 12. I have my Bible that they gave me. Um, but, you know, I've always had a lot of questions, and I believe as an intellectual, you are not doing yourself or whatever you believe in a justice unless you do question it. We're, we're human, and if we are made by a God in that God's image, then obviously we're meant to follow the ideological question and, and scholarly paths that we do. You know, you can't blindly believe in something because if you, if you do, what, what purpose is it really serving? Well, you never truly believe something unless you've experienced it or seen it yourself. You can have a belief or have a faith, but you won't truly know if it's real or not unless you've experienced it yourself. Someone can tell you, I've been to heaven, I've seen God, but you're never gonna truly believe him unless deep in your heart, um, as much as you wanna trick your brain into thinking, you're never gonna truly believe him unless you've experienced it yourself. And it comes to the whole concept, like I'm guessing you're not a person of the church of euthanasia, you know what that is? It's a cult religion that believes you should save God by killing yourself, so save the earth no. by killing yourself. It's in LA, it's a ridiculous right. cult, it's 600 people. But in 1959, we had the same exact thing where we talk about people being too sensitive. That's not people being too sensitive because we've always had these types of things happen throughout history. We've had the same stuff. It just seems like it's repeating itself. Right. But it's, it's, it's much more modern times and it's more modernistic way of doing it. Like back then it was called Heaven's Gate. These people believed in an alien cult and they all killed themselves. And I've heard thing. about that. Yeah. Well, we've had, it feels like everything, every mistake we're making in history is just getting repeated over again, much like technology, where our phone is going from 
where I went super big to super small to getting super big again. So now I can't even bring it into the store with me because it doesn't fit in my jean pocket anymore. <laughs> but like the whole aspect of we are repeating history and it's always going to be on repeat, but there's always going to be new technology, new things that are coming out, new things that are advancing that are going to modernize the problem into our ass asset of life to um, be able to expand it more to knowledge is out known. I'm searching up things that we're dealing with now that's happened in history in the past. Right. Mistakes we've made that we're making again and we're going to keep making because we're not open to all things, all aspects of everyone's history. We're worried about our present ones, what's happened in our area. What about stuff that's happened that they've done over there where obviously it doesn't work and we, we're going to try that here now. It's where technology and the news focuses on just highlighting major bad things happening in articles like black on white crime, which gets the views and gets all the popular people it like does. grabs the attention. They don't, we don't worry about the important stuff like the famous you know, historians of our past, the people that have really paved the road for this country. And also, you know, we're, we're tearing it right back up and then repaving it. We're constantly tearing it back up and repaving it. It's much I say, we're doing little minor infractions throughout our day by constantly worrying about things. We need to focus on not creating these fractions, but learning how to focus on healing them and not making the same ones over again. Because it seems like we're just literally picking off a scab and we just won't let it heal we just constantly keep picking we need to stop and it, it's really hard to focus that that's why when I see hear and see someone like you and you ask me these questions like why would I be good for your podcast because I'm not a very good interview it's not an interview you're talking to me if you want to ask me something about my life I'm more than happy to tell you about it I like being real I, you know, I've had so many people come onto my podcast where they've had emotional problems or whether they've had stress and whether you want to talk on the podcast about it or not, I'm more than happy to talk to you and give you my answer, but I can't give you the keys to your car to drive. I can't do that. I can, I can t temporarily grab the wheel and point you in the right direction, but you don't want that. You want to be able to take the steps on your own. You need to go out and experience the world by yourself. You need to be able to do things on your own, but you don't push down a helping hand, but don't take their hand and let it drive your car. Don't do it. Right. It's not, you know, because that one one day they could just say something wrong that jerks the wheel and next thing you know you're crashing into a tree. And it's, you got to be able to make sure that if you're going to make a mistake, it's your mistake. And if there's mistakes that get pushed in front of you, know that you can get past them. Work on what's going to pass them. Don't worry about the thing that's going to come down the road. Even though you should always plan 10 steps ahead, sometimes it's best to live in the moment and experience what's truly happening around us. And as a society, we have seemed to lost that aspect of life. And uh, it, it's just, it fascinates me that I can think this way. I feel like from where my brain was going before, where I was just thinking of dumb things and constantly like little childish things that like didn't want to pique my curiosity at all. And then now it feels like I hit this age, like once I turned this certain age, like I just got hit by a car and the next thing you know, my whole life changed. Like the Sam Kinison story, you know? He wasn't this crazy screaming comic and everything until he was hit by a car at a young age. And his brother said that's when his personality changed mm -hmm. for the rest of his life. And like Roseanne was like that too. And it's ridiculous to think that like a metaphorical car hit me and then my mind just totally shifted in a whole new perspective where I feel like I'm looking at the world through a clear view. Like someone gave me a nascent X for my eyes or clear as silk, you know? <laughs> I do, I do. I think ultimately you grew up and you're, you're kind of moving into this more intellectual mindset that allows you to, you know, observe 
people and events and a different light, you know, not, not just how it's individually affecting you, but how it's affecting us as a society. And I, I think you're the better for it. Well, I appreciate that. I definitely think you're a benefit to society too. <laughs> it was funny. Your mom told me, she's like, it's crazy to see how smart that I always knew you were, that you really kind of formed into it. I was like, you thought I was smart? What about the <laughs> Like, I still crack fart jokes, but back in the day, it was, like, ridiculous, like, constantly getting Fs. It's, but I didn't really take school seriously until I got into college. Like, I'm finishing up my last semester. I'm going to get my associates. I managed to take such a heavy workload in school. I can get my four years done in two. Right. And then, like, I, I don't know if I want to transfer to Salisbury or if I want to stay and get my chemical dependency certificate and volunteer and start getting a job under counseling because I feel like... The part that makes me a good talker is not just being empathetic, being able to read people for my podcast and knowing what they're interested in, mm -hmm. but also being able to be real with someone. Like I was talking to your mom about before, it's hard to find a therapist that is real with you and it's not just there to hear what you want, you know, what you're there to say and then tell you what you want to hear. Right. Like it's hard to give like real advice. Like she she's one of the people I respect highly when it comes to that because she will tell you how it is. She will tell you how she thinks and how you should deal with it. And if you don't want to do it, she's more than happy to find you someone that is better suited for it. And she does it in such a polite way too. I know I gave she her a, a bad like jerk of a description, but that's the real thing about her. She is real and she's always been that way with me. She's always shot straight. She's never yelled that I've seen. She's not a yeller. And she She's not. She's a taker. Yeah. She takes things. You should just like you know slowly. You know your keys are missing, and then down the toilet. Or, or something. your door. I remember she that. She took you didn't my have a door. door. For a long time. She took my door. Best hey, punishment I've ever she, had. She, you know she's. Legit. I'm, whole, I'm stockpiling that. So for one day when Gabriel starts to act up like the rebellious teenager I was. See, I just thought you had a curtain on your or a shower curtain thing on your door and beads and all that because you were like some like kind of. <laughs> like hippie chick or something but next thing i know you just know you got in trouble because you got your door taken away yeah no door that's a story for a different day but it's just <laughs> i like i appreciate you taking the time because i think like it's it's not hard to either find an hour or two just to be able to kind of talk with someone which we don't really take the time to do and i know it is inconvenient and i really appreciate you being on the podcast and i'll have to get you on again you know, when we have like a full day for it, because I feel like we could I'd just ramble on we for could. hours. We definitely could. I, I feel like there's so much stuff I wanted to talk about, but I'm not even sure I hit like half of it. I still want, I mean, <laughs> if you got anything you want to ask, you can. It's not that I necessarily have questions, uh, but I, I think we should definitely try to make another time for it. I Maybe I can get like a, an excerpt of what I've written together to give to you so got you can tell minutes, me what you yeah. think. I really want to actually read that because you literally piqued my curiosity with that. I think the one book I always picked in school were like the religious stories, but like the ones that are designed like comic books. Right. So like I, I want to go back to that school and just take those books. I hope they don't mind because I can't find them anywhere. It was like cartoonish of like the Mayans and stuff and how like, you know, they killed the winner. Like a, a, the ball game, the soccer game they played, oh. they killed the winner and they would eat the warrior because they believe like the winner was like you would consume his flesh and you they, would get, they want his power. Yes, isn't that nuts? So I'm like, they eat him to become him. One of my favorite comedians, Joe Rogan, has had an old bit about it. He was talking about like that must have been the longest soccer game ever because no one wanted right? to be killed. But it was like you saw that as a great honor, and that's where we talk about cultural differences. But it was like the book was written like a comic book, like the drawings. That fascinates me. 
my bodybuilding um, manager at my gym, his name is Chuck, he was on my podcast, he told me his whole inspiration into getting into bodybuilding was he used to draw superheroes all the time, and he was obsessed with the, how their bodies were like this super muscular figure, and that Sculpted. got him into gym. Like you would think, people's brains making these connections and then finding their passion around the way. I'm so glad that I found a passion like this, and it's one that is endless, but it is difficult to set up because it's... Like you have to get someone and then schedule it around them, and a lot right. of times it's like, I got something coming up, or they bail out last minute. Like I had the whole day scheduled. It's like we got to do this. Right. If we're gonna do this. <laughs> but you know, I appreciate you. Like I said, taking the time to be on the podcast, Lauren, and uh, we'll definitely have to get you on again soon. I'm down. <laughs>